0: I'd love to introduce this amazing, wonderful, if I say too many things, it will get to his head, so um, Mark Tate. Mark is the leader on the Grove, and he's going to tell us a lot more about that. He's a wonderful guy. He loves people. He loves God more than people. Is that right? Amen. And he's here with his family, so we'll get to meet them as well. They might not to be keen to come up to the stage, but we'll get them up. So, um, Mark, just tell us a bit about yourself and introduce the family. If they can agree to come up, that will be good. Yeah, sure.
1: Could I get the family up here <laughs> just for a little bit? We're, we're the typical couple where I'm the extrovert, the wife's the introvert. So this isn't her forte. This is more what I'm used to doing. So I'll make this brief. So So my name is Mark. This is the lovely Laura. Um, This is Josh. Yeah, round of applause. And this is Matthew, who you saw win the last game. So that is our family. Um, And they are great. I do love them, but I will ask them to sit down because I know I'll get it in the ear later if I didn't do do that. (laughs) I like how this this side are kind of still when the whole team side of, we're cheering because
0: we're on that team. And you guys are kind of, yeah, we'll give him a little clap. Ah, (laughs) That's good. So Mark and I used to work together on the same team when I was at St. Stephen's. And St. Stephen's, like St. John's now, but in different ways, helps support the work that you do on the Grove. So tell us a bit more about the Grove, what happens there. Sure. All right, so...
1: Nearly six years ago, our family moved to Gurnell Grove. Does anyone know Gurnell Grove? Yes, okay, I know. Where's Maddie and Michael? They definitely know it because they live there. Um, And we moved there because we wanted to to, to start a church community, a church family on that estate where there isn't. And so that's exactly what we did. We we moved there. Um, A little bit about Gurnell Grove. It's an amazing place with lots of different types of people. There's about 1,500 people that live there. Uh, there's about 500 different apartments or flats. Yeah, there's like seven houses, the rest of flats. And it's very diverse. You've got lots of different people groups from, from all over the world that live there. Um, it faces some challenges. So it's in like the top 10% of deprivation across the whole of the UK. Uh, you probably wouldn't. Look, You wouldn't look at Gunnell Grove and, and kind of maybe feel that or, or see that. It doesn't particularly feel that kind of rough. I don't feel like it's there's loads of crime. Um, but it does face challenges. And in particular, the challenges that it faces are to do with income and employment, barriers to services, and health. And so th- there's definitely real, real challenges there. Um, but yeah, I love being there. And so we do like a Sunday service, which we just started April, Easter Sunday this year, something we've been wanting to do for a while. The pandemic kind of held that up, but God was was really good. And so uh, we meet in our community center from 5 o'clock till 6. Um, and then throughout the week, there's different various, I guess, community events, projects that you might might expect at any church. I think after school kids club, we teach English, uh, we do a community cafe, and various other bits and bobs.
0: So that's kind of, in a nutshell, a bit of of what happens on on the grove. And um, I know you've got a video to show us, but we'll we'll see that shortly before we come to that video. Um, Before you got to the grove, you were at St. Paul's with your family. Today you're going to tell us something about God's call, hearing God's call, responding to God's call. Mm. Could you say a little bit about your story going from St. Paul's? To Gunnell Grove.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. So, like Sam said, I was working. I was one of the part of the pastoral team at St. Paul's Ealing, and I was there for five, six years. And during that time, um, I had this real sense of of call, cool, I guess, a real a real stirring. And I think when we talk about calling, um, for me, sometimes. Or at least in that in that situation, in that moment, the, the call, cool, the stirring that I was feeling was a sense of things aren't right. Thing I'm not happy about how things are. And for me what that meant and what that looked like was I can see that um I, I really believe in God. I really believe in Jesus. I believe that He is the way and He brings about transformation. I'm kind of sold into into His mission, right? Um, But it seems like the poorer communities around the country aren't so represented so well. And so I I just started to get what I believe really was like this holy frustration of, I want to see some change, and I want to see churches thrive and alive in our poor communities. There's loads of poor communities in London. Like I say, Gurnall Grove, just down the road, in the top 10% of deprivation the whole of the UK. Um, So I started to speak to the wife and just say, Laura... I'm feeling stirred. I'm feeling frustrated. And I think we need to, to move into an estate. I kind of come from an estate, so I have that background. And it's like this, this longing and calling to go back to an estate and, and do church and um, introduce people to the most amazing person in the world, Jesus. So there was that bit of the story. It's longer than that, but that's the nutshell.
0: Thank you. And... Um, At St. John's, we've been talking about mission in our return, renew, rebuild, and go. There's something about mission. And many times, when we think mission, it's hard to picture mission when you stay inside the four walls here. So, for a long time, we've been involved with the soup kitchen. But the walk team, I can see the walk chair. Give us a wave, Sue. Sue and the team over oversee... Um, the various mission partners that we have. And so recently, we asked um, The Grove to be one of them, and Soma. So next week, we'll hear from Richmoy. But the question for you, Mark, is how can we, as a church, partner together with The Grove in mission?
1: Sure. Well, we kind of operate with that question with the three Ps. Okay, the first P is prayer. We really, really believe that um, prayer works and so in everything that we do, we need people praying for us. And, and like I said, it, the the grove can be a, a challenging place. And I don't want to paint this picture like it's all doom and gloom because it is a beautiful place with beautiful people. But like I said, the reality is that there's challenges. And we know that we don't battle just against flesh and blood, right? There's other things that are going on in that estate. And so um, agreeing to kind of pray with us is something that we really, really appreciate and actually, as I'm as I'm talking, I forgot to say at the beginning, but I've got two different clipboards. Um, I was going to have one for the, the losing team side <laughs> and one for the winning team side. Maybe Olivia could just uh, pass them around now. They're just on the side there with a pen. And if you want, you can sign up to our newsletter, which comes out every term, just four times a year. And we have an update of what's going on um, with the work on the Grove. But in there are specific prayer requests, like these are things that you could pray for, please pray. So that's the first P, prayer. The second P is people. And we would love it if people would actually like to get involved in some of the work that we do. And we realize that people have very busy lives and there's lots of ways that people are serving here in your own church community. But it could be, for instance, that like some of the big events that we do, you think we would love to be able to help and an example of that is that on the 3rd of December, we're doing something called Winter Wonderland. Something that's now grown over the years and gets bigger and bigger. We've put like a skate rink on the estate. We've we put donkeys and, and all kind of s- sorts. And we get lots of different uh, winter markets and food. Um, and it's a, a great way to really bless that, that estate. And I just think the last time we did it, people said, oh, I can't believe this is happening. on am going to grow. This never happens. It's just so amazing that like, this is right here on our doorstep so if there's things like that that maybe think oh i'd love to get involved just for a day just for a day to help out um at winter wonderland then that would be something that we would love your support um and then thirdly is pounds the third p is pounds we can't do what we do without money uh-huh. and um it's been a real blessing to to have uh, st john's kind of partner with us and financially give and um i'm i'm a pastor like like Sam, but I don't have a stipend like Sam. So a lot of the work that we do is is fundraising, um, and and you can give in lots of different ways. And so there's the three the three
0: P's. That's great. And as you are sharing that, um, I remember Alan Alan Reynolds. You you've helped on. Have you helped with the winter Wonderland before? And anybody else at St John's who has, other than Alan, Catherine Patterson. Many of you can't wait. I think they can't wait. What was the date again?
1: The 3rd of December, so Thanks. that's a
0: Saturday. That's great. Um,
1: Alan has worked really hard. I think he's done a couple of Winter Wonderlands. He has, and he's been great. And Yeah, I forgot to mention Catherine. Catherine Patterson, which I believe some of you will know, she was actually our community worker for, for two years before she went off to train to be a vicar. I think that's where she's in Oxford now. I, I see yeah. some nods. And I've just noticed, I didn't realize she was here, but we also have... A, our current community worker, Denise, is at the back. Give us a wave, Denise. Oh. So it's great to have Denise here. She's been quite unwell, so she's, she's made it today. She's has a lot better, um, which is great. So do kind of chat to Denise maybe afterwards. Make her feel welcome. Great to have you with us, Denise. That's great. And um,
0: could we watch that video? Is now a good time. Yeah, could I just
1: share very briefly? Wanna, okay. So I want to show you a video and something that we're really passionate about on the Grove is raising up local leaders we didn 't want to be like a, a church project that was parachuting in and out and, and doing stuff to the estate, but we want to do, do stuff with the estate and so you're going to meet Paula on, on the screen in a minute and she just shares just a little bit of, of her story and um, she's become a real like full, full part team member uh, she's part of our team she's like at the heart of what we do and so this is, this is Paula.
2: I've lived on Gurnell Grove for 10 years. I moved here in May 2010. The thing that I love about Gurnell Grove is the community spirit and the people around here. I became a Christian at a Christian festival on the 6th of August, 2019. Um, I heard someone talking about their story, how Jesus had changed their life, and I wanted Jesus to change mine, Um, and I wanted to be a part of God's family. Three years ago, I met Mark and Laura, the Eden team leaders. I went to their pop-up events, and the more I went to them, I wanted to get involved, and then. I just wanted to volunteer and help out. Well, since then, I feel um, more confident, more relaxed, um, able to help out more people than I did before. By doing the weekly community lunches, um, I go to kids' club, uh, go to house church. Loving my neighbour means showing them God's love um, by blessing them, helping them as much as I can, and living my life with them.
0: Um, I'd like to invite, sorry Laura, Matthew and Josh, can I just invite you to come up and Denise, the Grove team, Liv, could you join me please and Sue representing the Walk team so we can pray for these guys. Let's just pray for them and then we'll release Mark to preach. So if you stand, Alan, why don't you come up as well as somebody who has been involved in this ministry and... Hopefully that will inspire others. And let's just do stretch out a hand from wherever you are and just pray a blessing, a prayer of blessing on Mark, on Laura, on the family, and on the work that we have heard that they're doing on the grove. Just say your own prayer, and then I'll pass the mic around to these guys to pray.
3: Father, we pray for Denise and Mark and Laura and Matthew and Josh. Uh, We pray that you'll give them a new filling today, another burst of your love and your energy to take back to the grove to keep them going for the next lap. Without you, Father, nothing. So we pray that you will fill them all and inspire them anew. Amen. Father, I just want to thank you so much for the work that you've been doing in Mark and his family's lives, and um just thank you for the church that they've been able to start on a Sunday afternoon, and I particularly pray that that, was, that would grow, and um, through that people will come to know you, Lord Jesus, as their Lord and Saviour, and that through that chains will be broken, and people's lives will be made whole again, and I just pray your blessing on them, that they would go um, with the peace of God, and... Uh, yeah, your joy and your love surrounding them, Lord, as they bring the fragrance of Christ to the to the grave. Amen.
2: And, Lord, we just thank you for all the work that's going on there. And we just pray, Lord, that all their needs will be met, the things that they've spoken today and the things that are unspoken, um, that, th- that the pounds will come in, um, that the prayer will happen. And we just pray, Lord, that we will really support and uphold this work at the Grove. In Jesus' name, Amen.
0: Great, lovely. Now um, we've heard about the Grove. If you'd like to give, our contactless giving machine is set. Um, so that all our gifts today will go towards the work of the grove, in addition to what we have given. But um, now we're going to turn to our video, Saddleback video, Hey-oh! and then Mark will take over from there. Cool.
4: Stories of the Bible: Moses and the Burning Bush. This is Moses. Hey-oh. Moses was an Israelite boy born in Egypt in a time when Israelite boys were not supposed to live. Wait, huh? The Israelites were slaves to the Egyptians. But God had a special plan for Moses. Oh, wait? And he spent his childhood in the palace of the Pharaoh. You see, when Moses grew up, he made a big mistake. Uh-oh. Pharaoh found out what Moses had done, and he tried to have Moses killed. So Moses ran away from Egypt. He stopped in the land of Midian, uh. and seven sisters came to the well to give water to their father's flock. Some shepherds came to drive them away. Hey, you. But Moses stood up for the women. Hey. Now these sisters were the daughters of the Midianite priest named Jethro. When Jethro heard what Moses did for his daughters, he sent for Moses. So Moses came to live among the Midianites and he married Zipporah, one of Jethro's daughters. Meanwhile, back in Egypt, the old Pharaoh died, but he was replaced by a new Pharaoh who continued to treat the Israelites poorly. Ah oh, man. The Israelites cried out to God because of the terrible things that the Pharaoh made them do. God heard these people and knew it was time to act. One day Moses was tending Jethro's flock when an angel of the Lord appeared to Moses through a burning bush that would not burn up. Moses stopped to look at the bush and he heard the voice of God say, Moses, Moses. God then told Moses how sad he was because of the suffering of his people. He told Moses, that he wanted to do something about it, and he wanted Moses to be the one to do it. Oh, man. But Moses did not think he was the right person to go. God said, I will be with you. Uh, all right. But Moses said that he wouldn't know the right thing to say to the people. So God said to tell the people that God himself had sent him and promised Moses that his plan would be fulfilled through Moses. But Moses still said to God that he did not think the people would believe him. So God said, what is that in your head? Oh, Moses said, a staff. God told Moses to throw it on the ground. Wow, okay. Then God told Moses to catch it. God showed Moses another sign and told him to show these signs to the people if they did not believe what he said. Moses still didn't think he would have the right words to say. But God said, that he himself was the one who made a man's mouth and gave him the ability to speak, so there was no need to worry. Yet even after all this, Moses said, God, please send someone else. Then God got mad at Moses and said that he would send Moses' brother Aaron to speak for Moses. So Moses went back to his father-in-law and told him that he needed to go back to Egypt. Moses and his family started their journey back to Egypt. And Moses carried the staff of God in his hand, for this staff would be the tool God would use to demonstrate his awesome power to the Israelites and to the Egyptians. Okay.
1: Yeah, I love that. Um, awesome. Who here is the youngest person in the room? Any newborns? I hear one. Who have we got here? Joey. How old is Joey? Almost a year. Do we have anyone younger than Joey? Who have we got over here? 12 weeks. Elijah. Do we have anyone younger than a 12-week-year-old Elijah? Okay, Elijah is our winner. Now, can I ask you about how you picked Elijah's name? Was it easy? It wasn't easy. A list of about 60 names. And John, her husband. Oh, there's a mic coming. Word well on Pastor Sam. So, if you could just repeat that again.
3: So, so John didn't want to talk about it because it was too tiring. And I, I had my 60 names. I was like, come on, this is fun. Let's have a chat about what we're going to call him. Um, so he wouldn't, he wouldn't, um, yeah, he wouldn't, he wouldn't talk to me about it. And then about, I think it was after his due date, and I was sitting and feeling a bit frustrated about it, and talked to God about it, and felt. God say he should be called Elijah. So okay. So uh and then so I told John uh when well, on the day he was born basically.
1: You <laughs> <laughs> told John. Yeah. That's yeah, well what done God had
3: said. So that... <laughs> great. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um do you know what Elijah the name means?
3: Uh now what does it mean? I did uh, it means um God is Yah- Yahweh is God.
1: Yahweh is God. That yeah. is correct because I google it just before i asked that question earlier because i was asking sam who's the youngest person he thought it might be joey it might be elijah so yeah well done also thank you so much for sharing that you can give uh, elijah and elijah's mum, lizzie a round of applause not too loud we don't want to upset the boy um well i remember when my first born son my first born son was born matthew you saw him and he remained la- nameless for two days, the first two days. And that's because me and Laura couldn't agree on the name for Matthew. And we had, we didn't have 60 names. We had 10 names each on our list. And uh, we were hoping that, you know, there'll be a crossover. There'll be at least one name. But of course, they were completely different. And after day two, Laura said, well, I've been carrying this boy for nine months, so I win. His name is Matthew. <laughs> so Matthew, uh, it was, day three, and I stuck the name I wanted is his middle name, Jesse. So he's Matthew Jesse. And then he was born on St. George's Day, the 23rd of April. So he's now Matthew Jesse George Tate. You can give him a round of applause as well. <laughs> you know, I think names can carry meaning, right? If, we were to, if I was to throw the name messy out, what's the first thing that comes to you? Live. Football genius, all right. What about Federer? Federer, the tennis maestro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about Jesse James? What about King Charles? Well, okay, not so many responses there. Hopefully, he'll have his mum's servant heart, her servant attitude. But you know, in the Bible. Main names really mean something. They, they really speak about who that person is or about a particular situation. <clears throat> I'm also going to ask Olivia to do me something else and get me some water. Is that all right? Thank you so much, Olivia. Um, names, they, need, they mean a lot in the Bible. And so in today's story, right, we meet Moses, and Moses' names, it has kind of two meanings. There's the Egyptian meaning, which is um, son, as in like son of a Pharaoh, and then you have the Hebrew meaning, which is pulled out of water. So you've got this boy Moses, he's been pulled out of water, literally what happened to him, but also the who is it who gives him and pulls him out of the water? It's Pharaoh's daughter, right? So Pharaoh's daughter calls him Moses because he's a son and a son of Pharaoh. And so, in that Ayo! video, we have the the famous scene. Thank you so much, Olivia. Very kind, keeping you on your toes today, and I. We have the famous burning bush scene where God appears to Moses in the burning bush and he calls Moses he calls him into something where he's got a new destiny for him something he wants him to step out into It's, it's like a life changing moment for Moses and it won't just change him it has the capacity to change him and God's people forever and God says to Moses I've heard the cries of my people. I can see the pain, I can see the suffering, and I've got a plan, and I'm going to call you to come and be the person that's going to lead the people out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of suffering, to the promised land. It's a serious call. A serious call with huge implications. And Moses, I think understandably... Feeling a little insecure and a little overwhelmed says, uh, I think you might have the wrong chap or I'm not really sure I can do this. I mean, you want me to go and speak to Pharaoh to lead God's people out of Israel. This sounds a bit crazy. I mean, I wonder if he was starting to feel, well, it's kind of obvious from the video. He's starting to feel insecure. Like, do I have what it takes? Can I go and do this? I mean, he's got to go and confront the most powerful person in the civilized world, Pharaoh, and say, you need to let the the, Yahweh's, God's people, go. Surely he's thinking, this is only going to end one way, and that is going to be with my death. And so he has his questions, he has his fears, he has his insecurities. feels like an impossible task. How can he do this? And I was thinking, like, can you ever relate to how Moses feels? Maybe when God has, has called you to do something, or even when he first called you, if anyone here remembers that time when they decided to give their life to Jesus, when you say, you know what, I'm going to turn away from my old ways, and I'm going to walk towards your way. I'm going to pick up your way of living this life. Maybe in those moments... We start to feel insecure. We start to, to question whether we have what it takes to whatever God is calling us to maybe you you 're thinking about something um, like a certain role or a certain task or an opportunity to i don 't know share your faith with someone or offer to pray for someone a, a, a family member or a friend. maybe you feel like you've been, you've been called to, to join a certain group, I don't know, serve at church or, or set something out outside of church in your community so you can use the gifts and, and the calling that God has given you, the calling that he has on your life, but you start questioning, do I really have what it takes? Do I really have anything to give? Well, luckily for Moses, and actually for us, God God offers like two really comforting reasons why we should be able to accept his call. And the first one is this. The first one, I when I first read it, it I found it annoying. Um, and it's, it says a lot about probably my character and probably about our characters. But God says this to Moses. Look, you're going to be okay because I, not Mark Tate, God is with you. Okay, I am going to be with you. It's going to be okay, Moses. You can do this because I'm with you. I'm sure that is not what Moses wanted to hear. Like, couldn't have been a bit more of a prepped up like, Moses, you're amazing. You've got this. You've got the skills. I know I've made you. You've got the talents. I know I've made you. You can do all things in God. God who strengthens you doesn't say that. He just says, I'm going to be with you, mate. You're going to be all right. And I was starting to to think about this a bit more, and I was thinking, well, actually, you know, there is some real wisdom (laughs) in that. It's actually quite good news for us. And it made me think, well, this takes the pressure off us, right? Because it's not about who we are and, and us being perfect and having to have everything all worked out. No, this is about who God is and He is with us and He does know everything and He can do the impossible. And so I was like, okay, that's, that's actually not a bad thing to say, God. I think you did, you did alright there. Um, but also it changes our perspective, right? It changes our, our perspective and it makes us think about, who he is and his abilities and not our insecurities and our shortcomings because none of us are perfect pastor sam is not perfect i'm sure most of you know that anyway but just so you do know he's not he's not perfect i love how that's getting a bit of a clap from some people okay so the first thing is this god is is with you but then moses protests and he says that's not enough mate it's great that you're with me but that's not enough. Who is it I'm going to tell? If I'm going to go tell this amazing story that you know I can go to, to Pharaoh and let my people go and, and we're going to go off and, and leave fine and go find the promised land, I need to go and tell the, the Israelite leaders, right? I need to go tell the Sams of this world um, and say I've had this amazing encounter with the burning bush. But I need you to tell me your name. I need you to tell me, God, like, what's your actual name? Because I need some validity here. That's gonna, that's gonna mean something. So can you tell me your name? And again, I'm thinking, this is so weird. He's meeting God at the burning bush and he's been told he's with you and now he wants to know his name. And I was thinking, well, this isn't how I would have protested. Again, I would have been like, Can you just tell me a bit of the plan? Can you just show me like, I don't need to know all of it, but if you could give me a a little insight so then I can feel a bit confident and think this guy knows what he's doing. We've got a really good plan here. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Next thing you know, we're out of Egypt. But he doesn't ask for the plan. He asks for God's name. And like I said at the beginning, Names mean something, but in biblical times, like, names really, really mean something. I mean, think about some of the names in the Bible. We have Abraham. His name means, like, the father of many, the father of a nation. What does Jesus mean? He, that means Savior. He is Savior, and and Moses, remember, he grew up in Egypt and he would have known the different gods. They had lots of different gods that they worshipped. He would have known their names and what they meant. So there was the God of Ra. He was the the God of sun who gave light to the world. There was Anubis, the God of funerals, who helped prepare the soul for afterlife. And so each of these gods that he was aware of had a particular name and were associated with like a particular domain. They were like in charge of a certain area of life. And so he's saying to this God, what's your name? Like, what's your deal? What, what are you about? Okay? I want to know. And so uh, we have that famous scene, this famous line. And I only ever hear this line uh, when Moses asked God, like, what's your name? I, I hear it. When Charlton Heston asked God in the old school movie, "The Ten Commandments," does anyone remember that film? Flipping, heck, not many. All right. So Moses asks God, "Who are you? What's your name, mate?" And God says, "This. I am who I am." I was hoping for a bit of a round of applause for that. Thank you, thank you, Ellen. All right. But what does I am who I am mean? Like, to us, that doesn't mean much, right? I am, yeah, you are who you are, but very clever. It's it's, it's a strange statement to us. But actually, when you start to look at the Hebrew, um, it's quite a profound statement. And he's saying something about his character and and who he is. The, The statement I am comes from the Hebrew verb, to be or to exist. I I exist. I am here. I'm gonna open it up because it's it's much deeper than that. And there's three things that you kind of we learn about the character of God in this moment. And remember this is all in trying to convince Moses to take up his call. The response of this name is setting God I am who I am, apart from all the other gods that Moses would have been aware of. You see, he's not like limited to a first name or a particular domain. He's not the God of the sun or the moon or the stars or the earth or the water. He's not created by human hands. He is. He is he is the I am. And so the three things that is Moses is going to get from this, I'm going to do this quickly so we come into land very soon, is this. I am, God, is the self-existent God. He is everlasting. He is eternal. He is self-sufficient. He is unchanging. And he doesn't need us. He doesn't need anyone. He is completely like reliable on himself. He is the beginning and the end the alpha and the omega. The second thing is this I am means he is with us. We've already he's already told Moses that I'm with you. But this this statement he is declaring to Moses that I am with you. I am present. I'm I want to be a part of what is going on in our life. And as he speaks to Moses, he's saying, I've heard the cries of of the people. I've heard the cries. And I'm going to act. I'm going to move. And I'm going to be with you. And ultimately, we see this, right? When Jesus comes in to the world, he, he comes down to be with us as well. Emmanuel, God is with us. And then thirdly, God kind of carries on the little dialogue. And... He then gives Moses another name, and that name is Yahweh, okay? And that name is taken from the name I am who I am. It's like an extension, if you like. And so the third thing that God is saying as he reveals his name, his precious name, Yahweh, is that I am a relational God. Like I want to know you. I want to be with you. I want to journey with you. And it's so interesting, like in, in the Bible, when, when people write the name Yahweh, it's always about God being a personal God, a relational God. And I came across this, this psalm, in Psalm 19, the author talks about God. Um, and in the first six verses, he uses another word, another name for God, Elohim. And he's talking in this psalm about the relationship to God and the material world. So he uses Elohim. But then in verse 7, it shifts and he writes and uses the name Yahweh instead of Elohim. And that he starts talking about God's relationship with us, with people, with those who know him, who are in a covenant with him, who are in a relationship with him. And so God is calling Moses. He says, look. I am who I am. This is who I am. I'm I'm ever present, self sustaining, the creator of all. But I'm also with you. I come down as Jesus came down into the gutter of this world to die and take our sin and get dirty. I am with you. And then finally he says, Look, I'm a relational God. I want to know you on first terms, and you're going to know me on first terms, and we're going to journey through this together. You've got this, Moses. You can do it. Now, in the story, in the little video, we saw that Moses needed a bit more convincing, right? He needed a bit more persuading. Well, I'm hoping this morning that we don't need God to do more, like turning our hand into... Whatever it was, and then and healing it, or getting this mic and turning it into a snake, uh, to believe the cool he has on our life, and I just finish with this. I wonder if there's anyone here who's struggling with doubts. Maybe like Moses, you're someone who's struggling with fears, fears of the week ahead. Maybe you're like the Israelites. You're in the midst of suffering, feeling oppressed, thinking about that you've been, I don't know, abandoned or forgotten. Maybe you're struggling to live in the gap between promise and reality, trusting in a seemingly invisible promise. Well, may you today be reminded of the call that God has on your life. That he is the self-existing internal creator, creator of the heavens And earth, may you be reminded that He is with you. This is the God that gets down in the gutter and gets dirty and joins in with our suffering. The one who offers offers us a way out of slavery into freedom through the death and resurrection of His Son Jesus. And may you be reminded that God chose you, wants to do life with you wants to be in a relationship with you, that he loves you, that he has plans for you, and that he invites you on an adventure in a relationship with him. Amen. Okay. I think it would be great if we just respond and and pray. I think Sam's also going to come up and we're going to sing. But, you know, when you write these kind of things your heart always naturally gets stirred because you're thinking about deep things. And, you know, I had to think about the name of God and and what this meant for me. And and actually, I was reminded of the call that I had on my family's life, you know. And I I shared briefly about that, of of stepping out from St. Paul's and moving to Garnold Grove. And I was thinking, actually, I wonder if for us... If there's anyone else here who's been reminded of a call, whether it is the first time that they met Jesus and decided to to give their life to Him, or whether there's something specific going on, and you feel like you know what I I want to step out into that call, that I wanna I wanna go there with God, I wanna I wanna go there with Jesus, and I don't know if you guys have like a prayer team or how it works here, or if you want me to pray, what what would be the best thing? But can people pray for one another here? All right, why don't we just stand, if you're able. And if you're feeling like you would love to pray about a certain call on your life, why don't you just step to the side or or come to the front and we'll, we'll pray for you. If you're feeling like you've never ever... Made the commitment to follow Jesus and you want to follow Jesus and you feel stirred in your heart that you want to give your life to Him then also maybe come to the front or go to the side and we'd love to pray for you as you make the most amazing journey and adventure of your life I hope that's okay we're going to sing as we do that but just encourage you if you want prayer do come forward we'd love to pray